And welcome to Nightlight, everybody. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we all call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can ever guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical UFOs to unicorns and everything in between. Nightlight, this is a reminder that you are never alone. Tonight we have a, a great show. I am so excited about it. It's just, it's, it's amazing. Um, since 1984, when Ghostbusters hit us, and, and then in 2004, when TAPS became Ghost Hunters, and, and ever since then, you know, you found that we have found that, that there are ghost hunters just about everywhere. It's, it's been, uh, an, or they have been organizations that have become uh, so common that it's, it's almost like the Roto-Rooters that the, the original TAPS were. They're all over the place. It's something that, that uh, people are far more comfortable with than ever before, that having spirits or ghosts around is, is something that people accept far more readily than they ever have before. And I kind of wanted to show you and share with you what, 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 what these people are that, that do this work, how, how very absolutely normal they are, and take you through what an investigation entails and what people look for and, and why people are called in and, and go through the investigation itself and then the reveal, because I got a chance to do all of this. It was so exciting. This was one of the things that I had on, on not, not a bucket list, but maybe a cup list that, that I kind of wanted to experience. And since I'm in this field, and I talked to spirits, it seemed to me to, to learn a little bit more about what people experience when they call in, people like this, and, and just what it is that, that has drawn people to do this. So I looked around for an organization that was uh, normal, as normal as you can get when you're looking for spirits and ghosts, I guess, and I found the Connecticut Ghost Investigations. These are two gentlemen who are about as normal as they come. Their backgrounds are amazing. And they bring a scientific and a spiritual approach to looking for and explaining occurrences that can be upsetting or, or confusing to people. So I have tonight with me Jeff Banks and Jim Shanice. They are the co-founders of this organization, and they've been doing this work for a while now. Guys, thank you very much for being here, and I'm, I'm so glad that we got everybody connected all at the same time. Thank you, Barbara. This is Jeff. Thank you, Barbara. This is Jim. It's uh, great to be here. I just wanted, um, I wanted you to kind of give me a little bit of background for each of you. You know, finally, what, what you, you know, you didn't get out of school and say, I'm going to hunt for spirits so that so that I know both of you are retired um, from the Navy anyhow, and you have real jobs, too. So can um, just start with you just kind of give us a little bit of your background and how you came into this field. Well, thank you, Barbara. Well, uh, it was really more for a hobby, uh, more or less for myself. Uh, I've always been interested uh, all my life in just reading ghost stories and horror stories and such. And uh, it, it was, you know, when, when the TAPS programs came out and 
you know, the, all the, the horror movies and, and ghost movies and stuff, Ghostbusters and Amityville horror and all that just kind of intrigued me. Uh, but when Ghostbusters really, or excuse me, when uh, uh, Ghost Hunters came out, it, it really grabbed my attention seeing that there were other people that had this similar interest. So, uh, you know, I, me and Jim, uh, we were stationed together before. And uh, so, we, you know, one night we started talking about it and found out that there was a common interest that we both, you know, wanted to, to venture into this and, and see, you know, what would it take, you know? And, uh, you know, really that's what it is for me. It's more of a, more or less a hobby, but also, you know, I like to, to understand more of the scientific side of it and try to debunk as, as much as I can before I uh, make any claims. And Jim, how about you? Well, for me, it, it kind of started, it's rather a funny story, really. It, it kind of started with uh, my mom. My mom was always interested in all things supernatural and that go bump in the night. So <laughs> when I was little, uh, instead of taking me to see the movie Jaws that I really wanted to see, um, they took me to see the Amityville Horror. And uh, I actually enjoyed the movie. I wasn't scared watching it. I must have been, oh, maybe about seven or eight at the time. Jeez. <laughs> and uh, I, I grew up, even before that day, watching a, a movie called The Uninvited, um, starring Ray Milan. It was um, filmed in the 1940s. It's a good ghost story, uh, unlike The Uninvited that was recently made here. Um, but anyway... So from there, it kind of sparked my passion for all things um, supernatural, kind of like my mom. And uh, so I started to devour many books on many esoteric subjects that I could get my hands on. And then, um, like Jeff, you know, the, ghost, the Ghostbuster movies came out, the Ghost Hunter television show. And then, you know, we sat down and talked and... You know, we rekindled our friendship after not seeing each other for, I think it was about 15 years at the time. Is that right, Jeff? That's about right. Yeah. So, and then, you know, we realized that we both had this this kind of passion to, to want to know what's out there. And, uh, you know, as Jeff said, you know, try and, you know, even debunk some of the some of the claims that we get um, to show that, you know, think that's not always paranormal, like on the, you know, what you see on the television shows. Yeah, and, and I think that's one of the, after after being on an investigation with you, um, I think the one thing that, that impressed me the most, <clears throat> aside from the fact that I lost feeling in my toes, um, was that you spend five to six to seven hours at, at, at the location that you're actually investigating. And and after all of that, then you, you, you have five or six recorders that you have to go through one at a time to listen for uh to, for evps and then you have to go through all of the cameras one by one to see if you if you see anything in those so that so that your commitment to this work is not just you know the five hours that you're there in the dark but it's 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 countless other hours weeks weeks because i know both of you work so it's weeks of finding time to go through all of the other stuff that you go through and the the wonderful thing is that that you don't charge for this this is you do this just just to help people understand what's going on and 
I, I wanted to sort of ask you, I, I know that, that um, the investigation I was on, uh, I knew about the house, and, 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 and we're going to get into that later, but when you get a call from people, what kind of things are they experiencing that, that, that they want you to check? Jeff, first? Uh, a, a lot of times, uh, the, the phone calls or, or emails that we receive, uh, people will come across and, and have some, some type of an experience or they have a, a concern because they hear noises or they're seeing objects or, or something moves or they can't find something because it gets misplaced and then all of a sudden reappears somewhere else. So there's a genuine concern uh, right off the, the bat that uh, uh, there's something paranormal going on. Uh, and, and that's usually what how we get contacted uh, from, from individuals uh, who are seeking our, our service. Well, all of those situations that you, you mentioned, and th- there are, you know, tons of different things that happen, you know, lights going on and off or electronics of any sort. I, I was telling Jim, I have a haunted toothbrush um, <laughs> that, well, it goes on by itself. And, but, but I digress. And, but there, there are shadows, the hot and cold spots, just about everybody has experienced those in, you know, in walking through suddenly a cold spot and, and wondering if it was either a draft or if it was a spirit, um, smells or, or, I mean, apparitions, shadow people. I think one of the, the one things that, that I have found mostly, um, animals are very sensitive to spirits. So, um, if, if there are, if there are um, animals that kind of are either spooked or following things that, that you, there's nothing there. Quite often it could be that there's an energy there. But all of this stuff um, has to do with energy. Just everything has to do with energy. And what kinds of different energies are we talking here? Because, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not just spirits that have energy that can make things happen. Jim? Well, you're absolutely right, Barbara. There's, there's, everything is made up of energy, and you know, as, as both you know, in science and quantum physics, they're really at the cutting edge of, of of proving that there. So, you know, what energy are we dealing with? Um, the energy that that we deal with during a, an investigation, if the place is in fact you know haunted, could be the energy of. Um, something that happened in that location. For instance, um, it could have been something as mundane as every night at 10 o'clock, the guy would get up from his recliner from watching television, walk to the refrigerator, open up the door, get a beer, close the door, go back to his recliner, sit down, continue watching television. And he did that for so long, for so many years, that that energy is still there. And so what will happen is, is, you know, that person will, will, will pass on or move away, but that energy remains in that because it was kind of worn into that area. And so what happens is, is people might hear, you know, footsteps or the, the sound of a refrigerator opening or the clinking of a bottle and that, you know, can't figure out where it's coming from. And that, that's, that's residual energy. That, that's just energy that'll, you know, dissipate over time. But if the conditions are right, we'll replay. It's kind of like watching a rerun all the time. 
Uh-huh. Um, another energy would be um, that of an actual human spirit. Um, you know, someone that had passed in a location or was very fond of the location, felt very comfortable in that location, and just didn't want to leave, you know, for varying reasons. Um, so we might deal with, with that type of energy. Uh, another energy um, could be energy that's tied to the land, like an elemental type of energy that, you know, it, it's always going to be part of that location, that area. Um, maybe it's tied to the ley line structure that's going through that area, or it, it's there because of the ley lines and it's drawn to it. Um, there's vortex energy that, that'll be there that allows things to pass from, from you know, one plane of existence to another. Uh, so that is actually, you know, like I said, very different types of energy that, that we might be dealing with during an investigation. Could could also it, it be that, that there are emotional disturbances in the people in the house as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if you ever walk into a room when two people just had an argument and yeah. that feels heavy, right? That type of energy could be present, you know, because there are, you know, maybe the, the you know, we, we call that type of energy almost like a, a poltergeist. And, you know, poltergeist isn't really a ghost. It's, it's the energy um, that's, you know, usually involved with um, teenage angst, in it, if, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, so Hormones. That, exactly, right? So that, that, that would be, a, you know, a, a, a poltergeist type haunting, particularly if, if, if there's a teenager that's having a lot of problems and the parents are having problems relating with the teenager and there's all that anxiety and that anger going back and forth, um, you know, that could cause occurrences too. Well, okay. And Jeff, I, I noticed that before you really started the investigation, you went through the house and sort of, I for, I don't know what you had in your hand. It looked like a, it, it, well, it, it was a meter of some sort. Did you go through the house looking for um, wiring or, or something like that? Is that what you were doing? Because you did scan the house sort of like before we even yes. started. That, that, that is correct. Um, what we try to do is come up with what we call a baseline, get an idea of what the environment is from an a electromagnetic perspective. Uh, and what that will do is give us a, a known uh, emissions level for the the location that that we're in, uh, and a lot of times what we'll do is we'll do one one sweep with uh, all the the lights on and everything to get a kind of a good idea where uh, the the hot spots, so to speak, uh, would be for uh, the EMF fields, and you know obviously when we go without any lights on, uh, go dark. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, when we go into the into a room, we'll do another baseline sweep and see what the differences are. Uh, for the most part, um, short from a couple uh, locations like where uh, power outlets are or uh, television sets, you know, refrigerators, things that would produce a lot of electromagnetic fields. Uh, most most places are are pretty pretty normal. So, but yeah, in, in, in this particular instance, we went through and went through the, uh, the entire location just to get a good baseline reading of where, uh, where the EMF fields were and what their levels were. Um, I know, I know, Jim, on, on, um, on ghost hunters, 
you know, they always, it always happened at night and they had to use the, you know, the, the night, whatever. And, you know, frankly, I thought they just did that for the, a dramatic effect, but apparently uh, you go dark for a reason. So what is the reason that you go dark and have the infrared everything? Um one of the reasons why we we go dark and, and most groups, you know, investigate at night is because at night everything quiets down. You know, during the day there's the hustle bustle of everything going on, but at night things seem to settle. And you know, because things are settled, we might be aware of, of stuff that's happening that, you know, is there during the day also, but we just don't notice it because of the hustle bustle of life every day. Um, you know, the working and the coming in and the people, conversations talking and so forth. Um, the other reason is that, you know, human nature, our, our senses are heightened up more at night and in the dark than they are in the light. You know, so it, it allows us to, to kind of, you know, it feel our way, if you will, you know, be more sensitive to our surroundings, be more aware of the little noises that are being made and where they're coming from, uh, what they might be. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that, that's why, you know, we do it in the dark, but uh, Jeff and I have investigated in broad daylight and came away with um, paranormal evidence. So, wow. you know, it's, it, if it's there, it's there. It doesn't matter night or day. It's just at night, like I said, it's a lot more quieter, a lot more settled, and, you know, our senses are a little bit more heightened. Uh-huh. And, and Jeff, with the cameras and everything... Um, do you pick up more at night than you would during the day, like orbs and things like that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, just because of the, the light spectrum that uh, the cameras operate in, uh, they, they do the visual uh, visual light, you know, the, the light that we see in, in the normal color spectrum. But it also uh, operates in the infrared, which our, our eyes cannot see in, uh, but the cameras can do that. And at night, when you put that infrared uh, light on, you tend to, to really see a lot more than what your own eyes can actually see. So some light anomalies or orbs and stuff that you can't see because it's dark and your eyes, even if they were uh, fully adjusted to night, uh, to night vision and stuff, you wouldn't be able to, to see them, but the, the infrared cameras do pick them up. Now, now, you guys have been called into or have gone to a number of, you know, really fascinating places that that are are traditionally, you know, uh, acclaimed to be haunted, like the Shanley Hotel in in New York. Um, that is in New York, right? Yeah. Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so when you go into these places. Do you have expectations or, I mean, I, I know the Shanley, it, the Shanley is kind of, every, everybody's done the Shanley um, just about. But what is the strangest thing you've ever had happen, um, Jim? Um, the strangest, at the Shanley Hotel, the strangest thing? Um, Any, probably, anywhere, anywhere. Any, but, Okay, um, my mind's on the Shanley right now. So, the, so the, the the strangest thing that happened to me personally uh, was probably the first time we ever investigated the Shanley. Uh, we were up in the um, 
the board, you know, they call it the Bordello area. I mean, Shanley has this wide history that that's just fan, phenomenally fantastic. Um, so at one point, um, the section of it was an actual Bordello. And so, you know, Jeff and I, two sailors, we're up there and, you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, cracking jokes a little bit. And, um, you know, I happened to sit down on, on one of the beds there and my right shoulder all of a sudden felt very cold. Now, you know, this was like in the middle of February, so that the heat was off in that section of the hotel. So the room itself was cold. The room was probably about 40 degrees. Um, so we were, you know, kind of kind of chilled to begin with. But I really felt a pressure and a, uh, a very cold on the right side. And when Jeff took our, our infrared thermometer and did a, a temperature sweep, uh, he found out, you know, that the shoulder that I was saying was cold was colder than the rest of my body. Now, you know, and that lasted for about, you know, five minutes. Um, so I always tell people that, you know, I got touched in a bordello. This was great. <laughs> you, you actually got the cold shoulder, too, didn't you? Yeah, 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 which is not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, how about you? <laughs> uh, I, I think the, the, the weirdest or most exciting experience, I would say, uh, was one that I didn't even know occurred. It, it also hap happened at the, uh, at the Shanley Hotel. Uh, we were uh, in the gentlemen's quarters there, and that, that was basically a, a location there which back in the early days of Prohibition and such, uh, people would, the gentlemen would hang out there and uh, play cards and, and wait their turns to go up to the bordello. And uh, uh, on this particular night, same same night, um, it was it was really cold in in this particular part of the hotel. I mean, I don't even think there was any insulation in the walls. I mean, that's how cold it was. You could you could literally oh. see your breath. And uh, uh, so there was, I think, four or five beds that were in there. And uh, I went and decided to go lay down on on one of the beds and just acclimate myself to to the room and uh jim was in there he decided to lay on a bed across from me and uh we had two other investigators now the room was completely pitch dark with the exception of our handheld uh video recorders that we had and they had uh infrared lights on them and that was that was the only light that we had uh, in this room. So it was, it was pitch, pitch dark. One of our investigators decided to put down a camera on the bed that was, uh, next to me or right out, right along the, the edge, uh, of the bed next to me and the light, uh, looking through the, the, the video camera, the, the infrared light was, uh, bouncing off of, a. Uh, a lamp that was sitting on an end table in between the two beds. And uh, so we're just having normal conversations, trying to s stir things up. And uh, one of one of our investigators who was behind the camera uh, said, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to go and sit down now. Uh, as she went to go sit down, um, something got up off of the bed next to me, broke the light 
that was between the the camera and the uh, lamp on the on the end table, and we didn't see anything until we went and reviewed our evidence. And as we looked at it more closely, you could actually see the shape of a body that looked like somebody getting up off the bed and then walking away. So um, huh. that that was probably the most exciting experience that that I have ever come across. Because at the time, I mean, you clearly could see me in the video, and I don't move at all, don't even acknowledge the presence of this shadow figure, but yet we were able to to capture it on our on our video cameras. That's spectacular. I I know that you know it it looks so exciting when you see an hour on TV, but I I know how long it takes you to get um, the information that you do. And for those people, I mean, do you do you have people that call you that are um, that that are frightened of their own home, Jim? Uh, yeah, actually, we do. Many of the clients that we have are afraid to be in their house um, because of what they're experiencing with, within the house itself. Um, case in point, there was one case we were on. Um, the family had moved, basically, they, they had the house, but they were staying in a hotel because they were afraid to spend the night in the house. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah, people do do be, become afraid, you know, with the experiences, particularly if, if they don't understand what's going on. Now, you know, part of that is that, you know, with all these different television shows that are on, you know, a lot of the television shows, they, they kind of, you know, I would beef up what's actually happening. You know, it's all about the entertainment ratings and so forth. And, you know, so people watch them and, and they think, okay, this is, this is how it is. And it's scary. And now it's going on in my house and they become afraid. And, you know, that's kind of where, where Jeff and I come in at is that, you know, we believe that, yeah, you shouldn't be afraid to live in your own house, you know? So we go in and, and try and figure out what's going on and what's the cause, you know, it, and I'm here to tell you, you know, nine out of ten times, it, it's usually not paranormal. Um, it's rather a mundane happening. Uh, we had a case where, you know, one of the biggest complaints was there was scratching in the wall. They heard growling. Um, things were disappearing. Um, they didn't know what was, you know, really what was going on. Jeff and I came in and, and, and realized, well, you, you've got, you know, mice and there's mice all over the place. <laughs> Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know, so there's, you know, there's there's that type of, you know, occurrences, but the, that their family was, was, was afraid. Well, I, it, it can be frightening if, if, if you have, if you've watched enough of these television shows and, you know, people are saying, did you hear that? And, and it, it it's quite common for there to be spirits around. And, you know, that doesn't mean that there's a haunting going on. Sometimes spirits, you know, are around people they love because they're going through a tough time or, or you know, they just didn't want to leave the house. Or, I mean, it, it's, I think what, what has always upset me is that they make such a, they make it a horror story and it's not. Spirits are a very normal part of everyday life. And, uh, 
you know, that you can every now and then catch them on, on camera or on EVPs or, or whatever to kind of give people a, a sense of there is, there, there is another dimension out there. Whatever you want to call it, it's another dimension that, that can be caught on, on film and tape if you have the right equipment to do it. Um, I would imagine that the, for the most part, um, Jeff, you, you end up counseling a lot more than anything else, don't you? Oh, ab- absolutely. Um, that, that, that is really a, a main focus of some of the, the reveals that we do is, is more counseling than, than anything. As, as Jim said before, you know, nine out of ten investigations will come up with nothing. And a lot of times we have to explain to them why uh, they are experiencing what they're experiencing. Uh, and, you know, to, to the, the client's satisfaction, they may or may not want to believe what we have to, to say to them. But it is a lot of counseling. Um, so that way they understand and, and don't feel like they're... Uh, have to be afraid to, to live in their own house. Um, I mean, houses settle. I mean, you know, especially older houses. I mean, there is that, that sense of, um, you know, uh, a kind of, uh, the older houses settle, I guess. Yeah. Is, yeah. Um, also too, their, their foundations might not be very well prepared as modern day, uh, foundations are, especially if you're talking about an older house, it mm-hmm. may be built on, you know, some bedrock and, you know, we've, we've been in, in locations where we've, we've gone into the, the basement area and over half of the, the foundation is just natural bedrock. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, uh, somebody's asked a question here and, um, uh, I, from, from the chat room and, they want to know if either of you have ever run into one of your own past family members while doing an investigation someplace else. Mm. Jeff? <laughs> um, no. So, so far I've not come across any, uh, any past family members. Uh, Jim? Yeah. During an investigation at uh, another location. No, I haven't. Um, you know, occasionally, you know, like everyone, you know, they get the feeling that there's someone close by to them. Uh-huh. Um, never during an investigation. Usually I'm home, um, you know, kicking back, relaxing. And I get the feeling that, you know, my dad passed when I was a child. So, you know, every now and then I get the feeling that he's kind of watching me, but never during an investigation. Well, you know, of the two of you, Jeff, is the techie guy and you're more, um, well, I, I, I don't want to say you're more spiritual, but, but your focus is, is more on the, on the spiritual than on the techie stuff. And uh, that, that's a fair assessment. That, that is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've watched both of you run computers. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Keep the computer and the, and the techie stuff away from Jim. He'll, he'll yeah. break. <laughs> yeah, don't blow up around me. You don't want yeah, you don't want me touching any of the tech stuff. <laughs> well, it it just, you know, it would seem to me that that in the situations you go into, um is there is there a way of you know, identifying especially if you're in a very old house or something like that uh, of of identifying um what generation and and 
and who it is. I mean, have you ever been able to get a name so you knew you could go back in the history of the house or whatever and say, ah, this person lived here uh, 40, 50, 70, 100, 200 years ago? Well, that, that's a very good good question, uh, Barb. We, we do try to, to get as much history on a, on a location that, that we go into that is a public record as, as much as possible. Um, in the event that we do come across a name, we do try to correlate that uh, through either public records or through historical societies um, or, or maybe the, the uh, owners themselves. Or, you know, they, they may understand what, what a name is. Uh, so there, there is extensive research uh, into the location so that if we do come across a name or we, we spot a name, we can uh, make some type of, of correlation uh, to, to that. I, I think one thing that you do, you guys do that, that um, I haven't seen before, but I, I, I am not by any way mean shape or form an expert in the area but um one of you always goes in blind in other words one of you knows nothing about the site you're going to investigate while the others may correct jim yeah uh that's correct we try to keep at least one of the investigators kind of in the dark um and the reason why is what happens is i usually handle a lot of the caseload so you know the, the the emails the phone calls and so forth so I end up with a lot of the information. Um, and then so then I, you know, I'll maybe tell Jeff, and, but then we won't tell the other investigators everything that's going on. Because we, we really want to go in with, with a, a critical look um, uh-huh. and without any ant- anticipation of what may happen. Um, Additionally, now, we don't want any preconceived notions going in and, and exactly. having our, our, our own minds biased in any way. Yeah, because I can I can imagine somebody calling you in and, and saying, you know, I have a I think there's a ghost here in my house. My uncle Henry died and he, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, and then then you're kind of looking for Uncle Henry. Right. And, right. And, it may not be Uncle Henry. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that, uh, you know, it's it, it's I, I don't do what you do, but. But I do see spirits and stuff, and and every now and then there are spirits that that come from another generation or another era, and you you just don't know how they're connected to the people that they seem to be drawing in, so that it, it's it's really kind of hard to tell exactly what the relationship, if there's a relationship to them, and and if there's a reason why they're there, so um, especially when you're in houses or whatever that are three four hundred years old. You have no idea where that spirit energy comes from. Um, mm-hmm. Do you do you often go back a number of times to a, the same place to kind of try to build on the information that you already got, Jim? Yeah, we usually you know three three third times the charm, right? So uh, usually what we do is after the first night, you know, we don't you know. We may not get any evidence, you know, so then we'll, we'll ask the client, you know, can we come back another night and see what we can get, you know, and usually after about the third time, if we haven't gotten anything, then we'll, you know, you we, we tell them, well, it's probably not, there's no spirit activity. It's probably, you know, by that time, we, we've probably ruled out and debunked most of their claims. Uh-huh. Um, however, on the converse side, you know, if we do get, you know, um, 
paranormal activity that we you know weren't able to disprove you know again we're going to go back maybe two or three times also to see if we could follow up on that you know what we got to get maybe more information on the spirit you know because you know if you know particularly you know human spirit you got to build rapport you know so to get that information they're not going to you know just chit chat with you the first night because you know they want somebody to talk to they may not want to talk the first night you know, so you might get a word here or there, and then maybe the second time you get a little bit more, the third time a little bit more. If there's a fourth time, maybe some more, and you build that rapport. Um, you know, for instance, at, at at the Shanley, we've been there quite a few times now, and, you know, we built a rapport with this, you know, um, one of the spirits there that, you know, when we're in her room, she wants to talk. So... There, you know, so there, there's that there. So, you know, the more times, the better, uh-huh. uh, you know, but usually, you know, usually after the third time, if there's really nothing going on and that's when, you know, we kind of, kind of call it at that point. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it just, it, Jeff, how much information can you really get from a spirit? I, I know that the, you know, the EVPs are usually just, you know, they're whispers. And, and so how do you string that together to, to find out about a spirit or when they were there or, or, or stuff like that. Is, is it a matter of, you know, constant repetition, Jeff? Um, sometimes it's constant repetition. Sometimes it's also the types of questions that we'll ask. Uh, you know, we won't always ask just the simple questions of, is there a spirit here with us and do you want to communicate? Sometimes we'll get more specific and look at, what particular time frame or era are we talking uh, and see if we can get some type of a response. Uh, that'll help clue us into uh, uh, a time, an era or a time frame in which we can, uh, you know, do our, our background investigations on and, and see if anything pops uh, that, that would, you know, correlate to this, this uh, spirit that we're trying to communicate with. So, I mean, there, there's different avenues for us to, to uh, uh, go and, and try to correlate what evidence we may have received and what history there is on the location. Have, have uh, Jim, have you ever been called in on a specific spirit? In other words, I know there's a spirit here and I know it's my grandfather and he's the one I want to talk to. Um, no, not necessarily, but we, we did in one investigation figure out that it was the client's grandmother that was the spirit. Um, and how, how we did, did that there was we went back two times and we cut all the power to the house. So there was no power whatsoever. And one of the pieces of equipment we use is called the K2 and it has lights on it and it, it, it measures, um, electromagnetic frequency. So, you know, if you get near a high enough frequency, the lights will change colors. It goes from green to orange or uh-huh. green, to yellow, orange, then all the way up to red. Um, so in, in this particular investigation, we didn't get any EVPs, but we were able to ask yes or no questions using the K2. And the spirit was responding through that that instrument, making the lights go on. And, you know, this particular you know type of investigation, it became, you know, I became... And, and Jeff, both of us kept asking the same questions over and over again. We almost sounded like Columbo. 
Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, you know, uh, do you, you know, different yes or no question. Do you like the Yankees? Do you like the Rangers? Do you like, you know, basketball? Do you like baseball? Do you like the Yankees? You know, kind of that circular type questioning. Um, uh-huh. And then with, with the, the client's help, we were able to zero in on certain questions that, you know, really only his, his grandmother would be able to answer. And, and we kind of figured out that that's, that's who it was. Um, very rarely do we get a client that calls us up and says, Hey, I know there's a spirit here and it's this person. Um, you know, those are very few and far between. Um, I know for the house that we investigated, it was kind of along that, that line that we investigated together. Um, and that was maybe the, the second or third case we've been on where someone called knowing that there was a spirit there and everything about it. Yeah, that was kind. I want I want to wait a while before we get into that. Um, Jeff, also, you know, it, it, Jim just mentioned it isn't just tape recorders and cameras that you guys use. You use a lot of other uh, really impressive looking equipment. What other things do you use to to sort of identify energetic shifts and things like that? Oh, uh, we you know. Uh, Short from the the typical stuff that you've most likely seen on on uh, ghost hunters and stuff, K twos and and EMF detectors and night vision cameras and things like that. Um, you know, we we've we've got pretty much all the standard stuff there, but we've got a lot of non traditional uh, components that that we like to use. Uh, we've got several uh, cat toys. With you know little little cat balls with with the little bells in them and and such, um, we've got uh, a bird toy that you hang you can hang up somewhere and if it moves it will make all these different sounds. Uh, we we've got uh, very bird- techy. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, we, we've got. Uh, That's uh, the equipment I can use. Yes. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> so we, we've got a little uh, toy car that lights up if it, if it moves. Uh, we've got uh, thermal pads uh, so that if, if we can put down on, say, a stair, staircase or something like that. So mm-hmm. if, if there's, if there's uh, reports of hearing footsteps on stairs, we can lay these thermal pads down and they'll change uh, color if something steps on it uh, so how uh, cool is that and and uh, Jim how about you do you have some other equipment you use uh, yeah I use um, dousing rods on occasion um, uh-huh. you know that, again as you point out I'm kind of more of this esoteric spiritual metaphysical person of the group um, so you know what I do is I'll, I'll ask yes or no questions with the dousing rods, and they'll you know cross for a yes or open up wide for a no. Um, sometimes I use a pendulum. Um, if if I, mean, I don't have the dousing rods with me because I forgot to bring them or whatever the case is, um, and uh, that's the extent you know, really of of the the non traditional equipment that I use outside of the cat toys because they're great. Um, <laughs> I, I don't what? remember if Jeff mentioned, but we have also like a little toy car that lights up and so forth that we'll what? put down. Particularly if we think if it's a child spirit that wants to play with a toy, 
Um, what was the um, blinky light thing that you used? Oh, that was a, a, a trigger object. Um, what what that does is basically you you hook it to something metal in the hopes that that you know the spirit will touch that 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 object and it'll make the light you know let us know that the lights go go you know will go off like for instance you know if the spirit's known to always move a, a certain picture frame you know we'll attach it to that there so if they touch the picture frame the lights will go off and we'll get it on usually there's a cat you know we have a camera focused on it so we would see that there and you can tell that there's no one around that's making the lights go off so it must be the spirit um so there's that. It's called it's called a, a trigger object. There's many different types of trigger objects. Even our cat toys can be considered trigger objects, because if you, you know if a spirit's going to touch it or move it, it's it's going to make that noise to let us know there's something there. And, and then and then how do you determine what it is? I mean, is is there any way of knowing as to whether it's the spirit of a cat or a child or an adult? It. it then that's what, what when we you know refer back to hopefully getting an EVP with a voice around that time you know uh, you know for instance uh, what we'll ask the spirit hey can you move you know touch that picture frame and and obviously if if the lights go off then you know it's someone that understands English it's someone that can have a conversation so it's probably a human spirit vice a dog or a cat. Um, you know, for the for a dog or a cat, it's kind of hard to, hard to tell. You know, unless we get like mysterious dog barking. But usually, yeah. when we hear dog barking, we're like, okay, dog, it's outside or inside or whatever the case may be. So, it, yeah. you know, figuring out if it's an animal is a little bit tougher. Well, I just because I actually do in my house have um, a ghost cat, and he's he's one of mine that passed away, and um. You actually see him. I mean, he's he 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 manifests pretty pretty solidly, so that so that you suddenly see him going under a table or or something. And uh, it, his name was Smudge, and um, he's definitely here. And I told my cleaning lady when she started that you know I had a ghost cast, and she said, "Yeah, right." And. Uh, <laughs> And then she saw him, <laughs> and she came downstairs, and she said, was he all gray? And I said, yeah. And she said, I saw him. And I said, yeah, he's upstairs a lot. And when my, my husband did not believe in, in ghosts or spirits or anything, and he was sitting at the table one day, and I had told him Smudge was around, and he suddenly looked under the table, and I said, what, what? And he said, we don't have a gray cat, do we? We had nine cats at the time, so it was possible we had a, a gray one. But I said, no, that no, we don't have a live gray cat. He said, a gray cat just brushed against my leg and went under the table, and it's gone. And I said, that was smudge. And he looked at me, and he said, I saw him. He was solid. I said, it was smudge. Yeah. And and after that, he believed in cat ghosts. He didn't believe in people ghosts, but every now and then he'd say Smudge was upstairs in the closet, and I, you know, said, "Well, he's not catching mice anymore." So, you know, mm-hmm. but but uh, no, Smudge Smudge is very solid. Not totally solid. You see either his front half or his back half. You don't see him. I've never seen him totally manifest. But usually, he's either coming or going. There's actually a, a, a video um, from the Shanley Hotel. We didn't catch it, but an actual a local news station caught um, 
a cat. And uh, the owner of the hotel had a cat that had passed at one time. And it was you know, just the tail end of a cat going from one room to another. It was kind of you know, fun to watch. Oh, jeez, so, yeah. Tell no. You, not <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. It's, uh, you know, there have been enough cats in and out of this house for, for there to obviously be one or two that decided to come back and visit. But Smudge never left. Um, when when you, you get called in on these investigations... Are there usually children that are involved in, in the households, or is it, or is it mostly older people? What what is the um, the norm? Uh, it spans the gamut, really. Um, we've we've investigated houses that had, you know, the entire family—mom, dad, you know, brother, sister, cousin, <laughs> aunt—all living in the same location—to um, where it was just a couple. Or, you know, a mom and a daughter living or, uh-huh. or just a single person. So, you know, it, it it's it's hard to say that, you know, here's your typical, you know, family unit that's going to be on because it could be any type of combination thereof. Is there a better term for the word haunting? Because haunting has such a bad connotation to it. Yeah, um, you know, you... Paranormal activity, it's kind of, you know, kind of the catchphrase. Um, yeah, there's paranormal activity or spirit activity or there's a spirit present. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, you know, we... Because a lot of the times when you're you're catching, not catching, but, but picking up on a spirit that's there, and, and obviously if they're talking or giving you EVPs, they want you to know they're there, Um they don't necessarily want to be exercised or, you know, they're, they're happy to share the, 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 the location with whoever is living there. Um, it, it's just, you know, when you say haunting, people think of rattling change and, 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 you know, terrorizing people, but, but there's, there's, there are spirits all over all the time. And, and, you know, sometimes they want to talk and sometimes they don't. No, but uh, I, absolutely, um, you know that people have a tendency of thinking that the the spirit world is separate from ours. When in fact, the two, the spirit world and the physical world, they're actually exist together. Uh-huh. You know, so you're absolutely right when when you say that you know the spirits are around us all the time, and you're absolutely correct. Um, you know, and 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 you know, haunting is just one of those words that I think kind of kind of worked its way into the field. Um, because, you know, lots of times, you know, people are scared, even if, if it's a friendly spirit, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and the thing is, is the stuff, that, again, the stuff that you see on, on television, you know, those extreme hauntings and, and all that there, those are very few and very far between. Um, it's not like what you see on television. Yeah. Um, not by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And, and, well, and Jeff, Basically, a lot of what you're doing is, and and a lot of my purpose in doing this is to educate people into the fact that um, this is this is natural and and nothing to be frightened of. And it seems to me that you guys really are doing an amazing job in, in helping people understand a broader sense of what reality actually is. Oh, a- absolutely. I mean. Uh- you know, what, one of our objectives usually is is to, to try to come up with an explanation for whatever 
it is that is occurring in the in the housing and provide some type of reasonable and logical uh, answer. Uh, not everything is is going to be almighty de demonic or, or anything like that. You know, uh, uh, unfortunately, there's too many groups and and shows out there that depict the the worst case scenario. And you know, in in all of our uh, in all of our investigations that we've done, we have not come across anything as extreme as as that. Uh, so a lot of it is education and, and putting to putting the, the client's mind to ease about what it is that they are experiencing and understanding that this is normal, natural, um, and nothing to be afraid of. Mm -hmm. now, and, and I think we're coming real close to our break, so you're going to hear music shortly, and, and we'll have like a three, four-minute break, and then we'll be back. But I, I think that's one of the wonderful things about you guys. You know, you really are helping people to understand another dimension and and becoming comfortable with it within their own sanctuary of their home yep. and and it, it really it 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 is an amazing service that you render and especially that you do it for free i mean your wives have to be saints um because i know you spend well really well they, they do they are <laughs> they are we'll agree with that <laughs> I mean, but then you they actually accompany us on, on a lot of our investigations, too, and, you know, help with the, the evidence review and so forth. So mm -hmm. very supportive. Yeah, without that, you'd be in, in big trouble, I have a feeling. Um, but but it, it's good to have, you know, the, the, the wonderful balance. And, and you had one other person with you that was that was just kind of breaking into the field that was helping you with the investigation, too. It, it's it's really cool that that. You know, you're able to to help educate other people into all of this as well. So that so that your your team, when you came, there were four of you. And um, are you are you expanding your team? Is this something that you're going to, you know, build up to a greater number of people, or is, or is four about the number that is the normal investigative group? We, we try to keep it small. Uh, the smaller it is, the the easier it is to train uh, new individuals, but also it keeps the drama out. You know, we, we don't want to get into a really big group that has all the drama and everything that, that may come with it and personality conflicts and, and such. And, you know, we, we are very, uh, we, we scrutinize who wants to, you know, join our group and, and it's just, we just don't let anybody just come on board and, and start learning it. Um, you know, we, we take, we do, uh, a, a lot of questioning, uh, mm -hmm. using such, mm -hmm. uh, to, to understand where the person really is coming from. Are they just looking for the, the quick fly by night? Hey, can I get my 30 seconds on TV or are they really <laughs> wanting to, to help out somebody? So, yeah. Okay, we'll be we'll be back in about four minutes, guys. All right. Okay. And we're back. This is Nightlight. 
If you like what you're hearing, click over to the support page and make donations to help us keep this amazing station up and running. Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com is totally listener supported. And um, from the owner to the host to the producers that we can't live without to the staff, all are working here because we love the work and are dedicated to putting out quality material for all of you, be it large or small. Every donation is greatly appreciated and helps us all keep on supplying information and material to educate and hopefully enlighten you that isn't found anywhere else. So, guys, we get to the good stuff. Um, I, I, uh, I, I called you guys in uh, to do an investigation on a house that I was familiar with. Um, I had interviewed the owner of the house uh, Velia Chance Urban, and she had written a book called Obsolescence about her experience and her her and her family's experience with a spirit that was in her house, and was not. I call it the sweetest haunting I've ever seen. So, um, it 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 it's it's a lovely story, and and I just. The house was built in 1770, and I figured if there was going to, if if ever there was a place there was going to be a spirit, it was in this house. So I called Jeff and Jim, and um, asked if I could be a part of the the investigation. And it was wonderful. I had I it was it was an experience that that um, obviously not everybody gets a chance to do, but but it was amazing and and you know when we came in we talked to uh Vilia and her family um and they 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 were able to stay in the house so they stayed in what was their family room with the tv on with absolutely no sound and jeff you want to kind of go through as to how you went through and you connected everything and it was it was an amazing amount of wires and everything else that you put down. So what, what was your process to get us ready to get up and running? Uh, well, one of the things that we uh, did with the, in this particular investigation, um, as, as we mentioned before, uh, one of the investigators had no knowledge uh, going in as we did the, the baseline scan of, of the house, as well as uh, the, the owners there uh, told us a, a little bit of history, not a whole lot, and some of the areas where there was uh, known activity uh, throughout the house. So with with that information, we set up our cameras in, in a couple different locations throughout the house. Um, and from there, we we wired it all up and and held our base station in the in the kitchen area uh, of this this. It's a beautiful house, by by the way. I mean, it's it, for the for the age of of the house. It's just phenomenal. I, I love going into older homes like this, especially from the you know, 17th, 18th centuries. Um, so it's, it's just a uh, wonderful uh, house. And so, uh, you know, we went through, set up our cameras in, in various locations, uh, ensured all the wires were, were not uh, tripping hazards for anybody, because again, we're going to be in the dark and we don't want people to, to trip over any of our equipment and, you know, damage it or worse yet, da- hurt themselves in any way. So we made sure that everything was taped down and, and out of the way as, as best as possible. 
and then uh, once we were set up, we we uh, had some of our investigators go up and start, you know, investigating various rooms uh, throughout the house. And and so in 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 investigation, Jim, um, that entails what? Uh, everything. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, so you know, we, as as Jeff mentioned, you know, you, we we go in, we do the 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 baseline, the background, energy of the house, and so forth. I set up the equipment. Um, usually, we do an interview with the clients. Um, they'll give us a walkthrough, like like Jeff said, where they um, tell us what happened. And then when the investigation starts, we get all that, and we get set up, we're ready to go. We go, you know, everyone calls it lights out, so we shut off all the lights. Uh, we corral the clients into a room. Um, <laughs> and and one thing that you're not saying that, that I will say, um, everybody's told to, if they make a noise of any sort, call out and say, I sneezed, that was my stomach growling, that was the cat, that was the dog, because your microphones are that sensitive. Yes, they will pick up everything from a stomach growl to a sneeze across the street if needed. Um so, you know, so every time you're absolutely right. Every time, you know, we, we, we tell the client, if you, you know, make a noise, don't whisper, talk normal. You know, if a floorboard creaks because you're walking on it, you know, say, Hey, that was me. I made the floor creak and so forth. Um, so then what we do is, is usually we'll, we'll pick a room and we'll go into that room, do another sweep real quick. Uh, with the lights out to see if there's any fluctuations. And then we start an EVP session where, you know, we start asking questions and usually starts off with, um, if there's anyone here that would like to talk to us, please give us a sign of your presence. And it will wait a couple of seconds, you know, up to 15 to about 30 seconds before asking the next question. Or, you know, we might ask them to repeat a knock kind of twice like that. Uh -huh. Or, um, you know, finish the series of knocks. And then hopefully we get the, you know, an old shave and a haircut, right? <laughs> so, you know, we will use different techniques like that there. And then, you know, we start asking questions of, of based on what the clients have told us. Um, now, and now, now, in in the one room that, um, that, that, there was a spirit there that there was, you know, someone was 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 found dead and stuff like that. The woman that they were talking about in the book, um, you had some some very strong feelings in there when when you were asking questions. Yes, um, I, I I had the feeling that uh, th there was a female a female spirit present. Um, she wasn't too crazy about men, so I, I got had the feeling that that she was not going to answer any question I say or even want to talk to me. Um, so I had uh, the the female investigator that was with us, um, Dawn. I had her start asking the questions. Um, and you know what's interesting to note is that we got an EVP from that. So we got you know two actual two EVPs from that session. One from a little bit earlier on, but. Uh, when Dawn asked a, a question of, you know, was this the, the, the room that the kids would play in or was, was this the nursery? Um, you know, did you feel comfortable in this room? 
we got a, a male voice, vice a female voice that, you know, said, you know, what we think was, how should I know? Or words to that effect, you know, within that whisper of an EVP. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Um, I'll, I'll not, not to interrupt you, but I yeah, am going but, to. Um, <laughs> uh, also of note, Jim was, on this particular case, even though he had done some of the the interviews and, and such, he did not go uh, around the house to get any more detailed information about each and each of the rooms uh, as I did. So he was, uh, so to speak, our, our uh, unknown investigator with, without any knowledge uh, of particular areas. And in this particular room that he's talking about, uh, we were trying not to disclose a particular name. Uh, and Jim all of a sudden came up uh, with, with a name that he would not have been privy to uh, this information uh, early on. So uh, it, it's, again, just testament to, to the sensitivity that we sometimes have uh, to things around us. Uh, so sorry to interrupt there, Jim. No, that's okay. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, no, it was that was fascinating because the 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 woman who had died there, her name was Susan, and you, I think it was your um, the the female investigator that said, I'll call, "I I don't know what to call you," and and I think you volunteered, Susan. Her name is Susan. Yeah, yeah. She was saying because I, I I told her, says you need you know you need to ask the questions. She's not going to respond to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she goes, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to call you the, the, the mistress of the house or the lady of the house is what she said. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at that point in time, I said, Susan, and she went, okay, I'm going to call you Susan. Cause my friend <laughs> seems to think that's your name. So, um, you know, it's inter- interesting. Yeah. Um, interesting that you got a male voice though. And, um, that said, I don't know, that was a, a, a definitely, um, because that was the room that the that Susan was found in holding a dead baby. She, she starved to death and that, that's where her body was found. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. You know, what you do pick up. I, I do agree with you that senses are heightened when, when you're in the dark there. I know when I was sitting in, in the room with, with the female um, investigator later on, we, we both got, a, a, a chilling sensation, the hairs on my arms. I was telling her the story of what happened, of, of why the book was written and, and what went on in the house. And both of us got really, just um, really, really, really cold. And I, I know that she was looking to see if there was a draft coming down the stairs, and there really wasn't. But but the temperature did, it, it got a lot colder. And I didn't know if it was just getting colder outside or if it was, you know, um, something about recognition for what I was saying, for what was going on. So, so then, so then you guys went upstairs, and you had some pretty interesting things happen up there as well. Yeah, Jeff was the the first one to go go upstairs, so I'll have him. You know, you want to tell your story to everybody? Sure. So. Uh... My wife Dawn and and I, uh, we we went upstairs and went to a couple of the different rooms, uh, investigated some time up there. 
uh, started off in the master bedroom. Didn't really have anything there. We spent probably a good 45 minutes up there. Uh, so then we moved on to a, another room, uh, which uh, was the the son's room. And in this particular instance, uh, I went to go. There's a, a, there was a small chair uh, on the far side of the of the room, so uh, I went to go sit down on it, and it was quite comfortable. And I had, had mentioned something to that effect that oh, this is a, a comfortable chair. And when we went back and reviewed our, our recorders at the time, uh, we actually caught two voices. Uh, one of them was definitely a, a female voice uh, at the tail end of, of the EVP. And the, 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 the first one was uh, more of a male sounding, um, almost like a grunt or a, you know, uh, yeah. I don't know. Humph. Yeah. Humph. Something, you know, just, just sounded like we were bothering them. Yeah. And, uh, but, but the female voice was, it sounded very much like a response to, to my, uh, to, to my, uh, comment of how comfortable the chair was. And, uh, to, to our, uh, astonishment, you know, we, we figured out that she was saying thank you. Yeah, it's very clear. That one is very clear. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, it was it was quite interesting. And, and the whole time there, we didn't notice anything. Didn't hear anything with our our own eye, our own ears, or anything. Uh, so, you know, the the recorders sometimes are are that sensitive that they can pick up these these whispers. And who was it that was in what we laughingly call the ballroom with with Angela upstairs? Um, well, that, that was um, uh, myself and uh, the other investigator, Chris. I think also that room has a weird feeling to it. You step into it and you almost feel like you're going to fall. Now you you had a logical explanation for it. Right. We, sure. call, we call that there the funhouse effect. <clears throat> Excuse me. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> Um, and, and what it is, is particularly in, in, in the older houses like that, you know, after, after centuries of settling and stuff, sometimes the second story is, is a little off. It's not level. Um, so those areas are to where, you know, one side might settle more than the other or this middle might settle more or there might be like a little wave reflect effect through the floor over time. Um, so, you know, again, that's, that's the funhouse effect, um, you know. I didn't know about it until, you know, starting to investigate and going into, you know, a lot of these old houses. But uh, one of the houses um, that I was looking at to, to purchase many years ago had this effect in it. And what happens is, is usually, you know, when when you first walk in, you do feel like that little vertigo effect. Um, it feels like a fun house, you know, um, when you're looking in the mirrors and so forth. But uh, what happens over time, you get... You, body gets used to it so you don't feel it anymore but anyone new walking into it always feels that that type of um vertigo if you will so that type of effect um so yeah it was very pronounced up up on the second floor in, in that one area there the the room um that we were in what's interesting is is early you noted um feeling cold and so forth uh we felt in that room at one point uh, a couple of us felt felt the chill you know, one one investigator was was quite comfortable and warm, 
And then the other two were, were in a little different, you know, the same room, but in, in, a, in a different location within the room and were cold. And we told the other investigator, you know, come on over and, and, and see if you feel what we're feeling. And as soon as they walked over, they had that, that chill. And, you know, we were looking for drafts, you know, because it, it was, you know, a pretty chilly night that night. So we figured, you know, if there's, you know, an old house, there might be a draft coming through a window and so forth. But uh, we couldn't find any any airflow outside anywhere else in that in that room and, and no airflow within that area. It was just, just cold. So it was, it was a cold spot. Um, and, and, and that would signify what? The, the possible presence of a spirit. Okay. Okay. Um, and, you know, and within that area, we, we got another EVP uh, in the course of questioning, asking for a name. And we got a name that, that began with an M that, you know, could be, you know, Matthew, Matthews, Michael, along those lines. Uh, with the, you know, with the EVP, the whisper was, you know, kind of hard, but you definitely heard the two syllables and the M at the beginning of it. Wow. So, so then you came back downstairs. Oh, and at one point, uh, at one point I was standing, uh, I think Angela was too. We were, we were watching and, and your monitor had three cameras. I think it was three cameras or four, three. Three. Yeah, we had and and we were watching we were watching the monitors and all of a sudden we had we we i mean we all jumped because there was you know good noise and it was almost exciting until we realized it was a cat trying to get out <laughs> yes the the cats kept us on our toes that night that's that's for sure i mean it was it was it you know i thought Oh, this is going to be just, you know, this is going to be amazing. You know, there's clamor and there's banging and everybody can hear it. And it was a cat trying to get out of a cat door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very distinct. And that's right there is the reality of paranormal investigation sometimes. It's just the cat. Oh, it's just too good to be true. Yeah. So so then you came downstairs and there there is one area um, – was there an, was there other v, EVPs that that I'm that I'm missing? Because well, there was there was the booth someplace too, wasn't there? Yeah, there, there was at the at in in Susan's room, that first room that we went in, where we got oh. the EVP of of you know, is this the child's playroom and so forth? And you got the EVP. How should I know? Um, before that, there it, it was the first couple of minutes we were in the room. We haven't really settled in yet. And uh, I had asked um, our investigator Chris to, to get a um, to get the, the digital camera and the walkie-talkie, uh-huh. so we communicate with you. You know, with you got with with the home central there where Jeff was was sitting with the monitors, and and I think you and Angela were there also. And um, he put, you know, he's he's holding a recorder. He puts it down, and you could hear him. Oh, you know, go to open up the door, and right before that, there you hear like this, ah, or boo, or you know, some sort of intake of, of breath that wasn't any of us three that were there, um, because uh, both Dawn was with me, and 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 Chris, you know, we, the th- between the three of us, we would have heard one of us breathing heavy like that, but uh-huh. wasn't one of us. Um, so that was that was the the first EVP. The second one was the um, uh, how should I, don't I know? 
Yeah. I don't know, yeah. right? And then um, the one that that Jeff and Dawn got upstairs was was the third one with the you know the thank you for you know hey this is comfy. Yeah. And the fourth one was the uh, name the name Matt Matthew or or Michael. Um, and then there was the one when when you and Dawn were in the in Susan's room um, a little bit later that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Dawn wanted to find, came out to find out if if the cats were moving around again. And, yeah, uh, you, you were kind of doing your thing there, and yeah, and I called out to Susan. Yeah, called out to Susan. Yeah, so um, that and I believe that's that's all the. EVP. Am I missing any, Jeff? No, I think that's it. Okay, so that was the EVPs, okay. and then um, then there was. The the investigation of, of the herb area. Yeah, there there uh, for for those that th- this house was built in 1770, and um, there is uh, you know the rooms are small, the ceilings are low, and there are fireplaces all over the place. And in the back of backing up to the other side of the back of the main fireplace, there is a. Uh, it looked like it was kind of like a little closet, and they they had made it a a place where they could dry herbs and stuff like that. And and I had always had a feeling that there was something there. I didn't know. I mean, there were markings on some of the the beams there that we didn't know what they were, and it just felt to me like there was something there. And and um, when we were watching the screens, um, you know, during the evening, it was it was interesting because we you could see dust or orbs or whatever. I mean, it looked it looked like orbs here and there, but but um, it, it was mostly just dust, I guess. But it it, it looked impressive, um, and and but there was almost nothing at all in this one area. And that to me was surprising, but, but you took your dowsing rods and went in there and, and that was actually fascinating. You want to talk about that, Jim? Sure. Um, so as, as mentioned earlier, uh, I used the dowsing rods to, as a communication tool. So, um, if the, if the rods cross and, and form an X, that's usually a yes. And if they, they turn outwards and open up into a big, big U or a V. Um, that's an indication of a no. So uh, I think I forget who was there. Um, Dawn was with me. Uh, Chris, I believe uh, you were with us, Barb. And Jeff was too. Jeff, Jeff also, right? I think the whole group of us was there. Um, and so you know, we go into this little, like it was almost like a little alcove type type of, of area. And started asking, you know, questions off the top of my, I can't remember the, the, the first question I asked, but uh, what I noticed was, is I was basically facing parallel to the, to the hearth area where, you know, the, the, the herbs were hanging and, you know, it was basically the back end of the, the main hearth that was in the kitchen um, that, you know, back in 1770, they used to cook their meals and so forth. But um, it, for whatever reason, whichever rod was parallel to that, that rod would not move. 
at all. And the other rod would move and point and turn and so forth. Um, and that was, you know, when I had my left hand side. So then, you know, I figured, okay, let me turn, you know, in the other direction, put my right hand side parallel with it and see if that rod does the same thing. And sure enough, it did where the only one rod was the, the left rod at this point in time was turning and not the right one. Um, and then I, I decided to face it on and, and see if I could, you know, walk towards it. And as soon as I walked towards it, the, the rod started to cross, which is usually an indication that there's some sort of energy within that area. You know, um, dousing rods are, you know, usually used to find water and so forth. So when they cross, you know, is where you dig at. So uh, in this case, I use it more along the lines to, for communication and, and to, to figure out what, where the energy is at and how far it extends and so forth. Um, so that was interesting. And then, you know, we, there was one point, um, uh, Barb, you mentioned that you had felt a, a, a presence that was yeah, you know, it, kind of, kind yeah, of standing it, between us. It was, it was very interesting. The, the, it was a little hall and then this alcove and there were a lot of us there. There were four of us there and it was very dark and you know we were all watching. You had these um, uh, the tips of the of the dowsing rods had um, luminescent tape on them, so you could see just the tips going all over the place. It was really cool. And you know we we all had our eyes on that, and it felt like there was a presence next to me. And it's very dark and it's very crowded. And I just kind of I stepped back a little bit because I figured there was somebody there. And then it happened, it, it kind of pushed me a little further. It didn't push me, but it felt like it was looming. So I took another step to give it more room. And then I realized there was actually nobody there. It was just there was an area there that was darker than the dark. Mm -hmm. And and I, I don't know who or what it was. It just, it was a presence, I guess. It, it I didn't feel negative. I didn't feel scared i didn't feel that it was you know it, it was it, it it was almost like there i would my interpretation would be it was a spirit but it, it it felt like it was a spirit that was curious about what you were doing too and wanted to get in on the action mm -hmm. yeah and you know it was I, I think it was the the spirit that was responding to the questions at the time um and what's curious to note is that we did get a piece of video evidence from from that session, and I'll, I'll let let Jeff talk about that. <clears throat> yeah, uh, with with that, it it was very difficult at at first to see it. Uh, like Barb had mentioned before, there there was a lot of dust uh, flying around uh, in in all of our cameras that that we had that night. Uh, so one of the things that we do is we look at what the, the dust is actually doing, what, what these orbs are, are going in, what direction. That kind of gives us an idea of roughly what the air current is in a, in a particular room, especially after it's settled down and, and people quit moving around in, in the room. Uh, in, in this particular case, we had four bodies uh, in and around this area, and we're trying to stay as, as still as possible. Uh, but during this, this particular dowsing rod session, uh, we did notice, uh, as, as we were reviewing our, our video evidence that we had this light anomaly that 
seem to be attracted uh, towards the dowsing rods. Um, it was a brief second, maybe two seconds at most, uh, but it, it actually, uh, what, what we captured was this, this light anomaly moving from the, from the left of the, of the screen near the top um, and going straight towards uh, Jim holding the, the dowsing rods and going towards one of the dowsing rods. And as soon as it got close to the dowsing rod in his right hand, that dowsing rod immediately opened up really fast. So a little correlation between the two there uh, and the fact that this was not uh, a typical dust orb floating around and it looked like it had a specific purpose and direction, uh, we identified it immediately as a, as a light anomaly and, and as uh, a possible paranormal event. What would that signify? I mean, I mean, would it have been a spirit doing it? Would it have been? Um, I, I mean, and, and I've looked at this. This I've looked at that particular piece of film. I can't tell you how many times. I'm going to have to go back and look at it again because I can't see. I didn't see it, but I, you know, now I know a, a little bit better what I'm looking for. I'll. I'll try to spot it what would that signify i mean the, that it was a spirit moving it that it was it, it's quite possible it could have been uh, a, a spirit uh answering a a question uh or maybe just allowing us to know that this particular entity whatever it was uh was uh there was was with us at the time so uh, um, it, it's, it's really hard to say exactly what it is that, that it was uh, trying to, to do. But, uh, you know, when, when we get video evidence like this, it's, it's definitely something that, that is uh, uh, pre pretty good to, to capture because, quite honestly, video evidence is, is tough to come by. You know, we, we do get a lot of EVPs and a lot of personal experiences um, but the, the video evidence is, is usually much harder to, to come yeah. by. Um, is it, uh, I, I guess there's not a handbook, so you don't really know, but, but in order for a spirit to speak or manifest, does it have to draw energy from somewhere in order to do it? Yes, yes, it does. Uh, lots of times during an investigation, um, our battery operated equipment, even though we put batteries in it before we went to the investigation, um, the batteries will be drained. Um, and in this particular investigation, our handheld um, video recorder wasn't working. Uh, it, it, as soon as we started, it would shut off. Um, it was problems with it and we never had problems with it so that night there was a lot of problems with, with the handheld um, which it's interesting because in the, the the at the start of the night in Susan's room we had it and it didn't record anything uh, Dawn's uh, audio recorder had was having issues during in that room also and that's where we got the, the two EVPs um, at you know, towards the end of the night when we did the dousing rod session, 
the um, handheld uh, video recorder had issues again. Um, so, you know, it was kind of one of those things where, you know, you, you look at everything that's presented to you, you know, so here's, you know, here's the, the, the power drain of a, of a video, you know, of a recorder that shuts off, you know, so something's draining it. Uh-huh. And then you have the, the infrared video, which unfortunately doesn't have, um, uh, audio on it. So, you know, I can't, we couldn't say, you know, I was asking this question when, the, when this incident happened, that's why we had the, the handheld there, but it wasn't working. So, you know, so you have that, that instance of the handheld dying, the, the, the light anomaly approaching the, the dousing rod and, and, you know, and you could see it as it comes, the dousing rod starts moving and there's a definite, um, equidistance between the, the light anomaly and the, and the dousing rod. And it keeps that as it's moving. So it seemed like the, almost like it was, you know, it, it appears to be pushing it. And then with the, the drain of the camcorder, you know, it, it's quite possibly, you know, that the fact that, you know, a spirit was trying to communicate with us at that time. Now, in, in my experience, when I do um, spirit circles or when I'm talking to a spirit, um, it, it usually, I get very cold. So I, I, I figure that, that, I'm, that they're pulling energy from me in order to give me information or something like that. And, and, and you know, talking to other mediums, that seems to be the same thing, that, that, that they have to draw energy from some, uh, something that is vibrantly alive in order to manifest because they don't have that kind of vibrancy. So, uh, you know, that, that was, that was, that was a fascinating thing. And, and after, you know, I, cause I did look, I did watch the monitors a lot and it was, you know, there was a lot of activity and it's not that the house was dirty cause it wasn't, but these itty bitty little specks of dust, I guess, fly everywhere anyhow. So, um, it, it was really, you know, you kept wanting one to kind of, you know, make a design or something to say, Hey, I'm here and I'm not dust, but, <laughs> but you seem to have gotten a, a great deal of information considering, you know, we, we did, I, you know, I didn't know if there would be anything there or not. And I also didn't know, I was surprised that you got more male voices than you got female. Yeah, that kind of surprised us also, um, you know, because everyone, you know, seemed to focus in on, on Susan. Yeah. You know, and it, it seems to be that there's a little, you know, maybe more there than just Susan. Right? Maybe it's, you know, it's her, her husband or, or, you know, someone who lived in the house many years later, you know. it. Well, there it was a teenage started. son. There was a teenage son that was murdered as well. Right. Right, so it, it's possible that that was his voice we picked up. Um, it, so, what would your procedure be? I mean, I mean, if, if you were if you were to go back or or whatever, what would what would the next step be for you? What would you you know? How would you do it differently? If you would do it differently, if you went back for a second time, since you got so much, it would seem to me that it might be something that you might want to do again. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, uh, by, by all means, we would we would love to uh, go back and and continue. Uh, some of the things that that we may do differently, uh, we we may focus a little more on areas where we received previous evidence, and and maybe try to get uh, some more details or information 
Uh, we may also investigate other areas of the house, uh, which we didn't set anything up, uh, just because there, there might be that opportunity where something could potentially be there. Uh, you know, the, the, the hot spots, so to speak, of, of the house is where we kind of set up the, the first time. And, and sometimes those hot spots end up being really cold and nothing shows up. So you got to find a, another another area of, of the location to to set your equipment up and, and investigate. Um, yeah, there, there was a, a front there is a front parlor and it would seem to me that um, back in the 1700s when someone passed away, they usually set the cas casket up in the front parlor. Mm -hmm. So, um, but but it, to my knowledge, they haven't had anything. Nothing went bump in the night in the front parlor. It was basically um, the kitchen area where um, at, at least one of the murders took place, um, and Susan's room, which was um, and and in Susan's room, I'm I'm not sure if that was a two story house to start off with or if a second floor was put on at some later point in time. Because if Susan's room, um, I call it Susan's room because that's where her body was discovered, but that might have been the main bedroom at one time, and, and then a second floor was put on at a later date. And, and that's something that maybe should be checked out to, to see which are the oldest parts of the house. But you did get quite a bit upstairs, which, yeah. um, mm -hmm. yeah, the spirits are, you know, people, we talk about these hot spots and stuff, cause that's usually where the, you know, the most activity is or the, or the, the, the client feels that that's where the, the most activity is where they experienced it. But, you know, spirits aren't locked into that one little room. They could roam the house, the property, you know, come and go as they please. They have free will. They could, you know, basically, you know, do what they want. Um, but usually, you know, when, when you're talking about those those hot spots, um, it's because they're drawn there for some reason. You know, you mentioned, you know, Susan's room. You know, could it have been, you know, the her bedroom at, you know, back in 1770? Mm -hmm. or, you know, or was it where, where she, she took the kids and played with the kids all the time? So she felt, you know, more comfortable there. Was it the room that, that she liked to go just to get away and be alone and to, to sew or read or whatever the case is? You know, I, I think, you know, we all have that, that particular room in our house that we enjoy going to for, for our time. Um, and I, you know, I feel that, that, if the spirit lived in that house, they would be drawn to a particular room that they felt comfortable in. Uh -huh. um, or on the converse side, uh, a room that, you know, has sentimental value for them maybe, or, or there was something happened in that room and that's why they're tied to that area. You know, it, it maybe it's the room they, they passed in. Maybe it's the room that the loved ones slept in and they want to be close to them. And so, that, you know, there's varying possibilities of, of why those locations and, and the hot spots and so forth. You bring up a good point there, Jim, too. Uh, it may not necessarily be a location as it could also be an object, uh, right. something that's very sentimental to, to someone, a, a favorite chair or uh, a, a 
vase or, or something like that. Um, you know, a, a, a little a toy chest or jewelry box or something, something that may have been passed down from, uh, you know, from, from generation to generation that some person or, or persons become attached to. And so then you can then have a, a particular item that has a spiritual connection to, to a, a person. And then that can essentially become uh, the, the object that, that the spirit is attached to. Yeah, that, that's, that's an amazingly good point. And, you know, they have filled this house with antiques that sort of go back to the time frame when the house was um, lived in by Susan. And it's very possible that some of the, you know, I, none, of the, none of the furniture that is in that house now was there in the 1770s. So all of the antiques and everything that are in there now, um, they have collected at, at you know, um, swap meets and things like that. They've, they've picked up what, what was, you know, apparently in that time frame. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it could easily be possible that, that the furniture has brought its own spirits. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. It's a definite possibility. Well, that's cool. <laughs> now you have to go back and do some of the other rooms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, how do you how do you yeah. discern that though? I mean, uh, it, it's let's say that they have a sofa that came from the early eighteen hundreds, and and there was you know I don't know some man that passed away on it, and it was a favorite piece of furniture. I mean, how how do you discern that that the spirit belongs to the couch and not the house? Uh, when you start talking about objects, unless there's a, a good historical trail of of that object of, you know, who did you pick it up from and, you know, doing the research, going back and continuing to go back uh, as far as you can may lead you to uh, a particular event in, in its history. Um, but with with objects, it, it's usually very tough. Uh, like you said, you know, most most of the antiques in the house are from swap meets or wherever they could get them from. You know, do they even remember the individual that they may have gotten a particular item from uh, so that we could then go back and, and do more research on that? You know, contact that individual, see where they got it from and just keep tracing back as as far as you can. Uh, you know, kind of kind of like the, the ancestry dot com type. You know, research. oh yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. What about the land too itself? I mean, um, have you ever had a, an investigation that that picked up an indigenous person, like a Native American, as opposed to a person that that lived in the house? Um, yeah, actually, it not necessarily a, a Native American, but. Um, in the town that we live in, you know, much like many towns here in, in, in Connecticut, there's these little cemeteries. Uh-huh. And um, a, a friend of ours grew up in an old house um, and built, you know, late 17, early 1800s. 
And he, you know, him and his sister would always say that they, they had seen, you know, different types of spirits in the house and so forth. And so, you know, when he found out Jeff and I are, are investigators, you know, he asked if, if we would investigate. And we said, sure. You know, does your family still own the house? And he says, well, no, they they sold it. And then, you know, whoever bought it kind of tore the house down. And it's just a, a, a plot of land right now. And we asked, well, you think you could get us, you know, without, you know, because we don't want to trespass. You think, oh, yeah, I'm friends with the family. No problem. So he gets us, you know, gets us permission. And, and we go to, you know, his old property there. And he shows us where the foundation of the house was, and and you know we we do our normal investigative procedures and so forth, because um, there's no house there. But he's kind of explaining and where he saw things and so forth. And then he asks, he goes, "Hey, um, do you want to look at the cemetery?" And we went cemetery. He says, "Yeah, the house. You know, the the name of the road was named after the family that originally built the house." Um, this was their property, their farm for 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 generations, and they have a, a little you know family cemetery. So he says, "Okay, yeah, that'd be great." So you know he shows, takes us you know down this little path to where the cemetery's at, and it's there's maybe uh, what Jeff, maybe about 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 twenty headstones, if that. Yeah, probably that. Maybe twenty twenty five headstones. Yeah. So and, you know, probably they, a twenty by twenty area. Yeah. So, and a nice, you know, typical Connecticut stone wall around it and so forth. And uh, so we walk in and, you know, Jeff and our friend are, are, are drawn to the dates and the names and, and, and so forth. I was drawn off to a, to a corner of the cemetery. And then, you know, Dawn um, walks into the cemetery and immediately feels overwhelmed and, and, and you know, very sad and... So, you know, Jeff, Jeff, you know, takes her, you know, walks her out of, out of the cemetery and then, you know, she feels better. So then, um, and I mentioned, you know, why don't we do a, do an EVP session within that, that area. And, and we do. And, and one of the questions that we asked during that EVP session was, did you used to live in the house on this property? And we got a distinct voice that said, Yes. <laughs> you know, so it you know it not a Native American, but you know one of the the original settlers, if you will, of that property. Wow. Um, just just because we're we're getting close to the end here, I can't believe it's gone so fast. Um, the name of 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 your organization is um, Connecticut Ghost, Ghost Investigations. Yep, that's it. And is there a, a name, a number, or or can can people contact you through your website? Yeah, if, if they go to our website, there's our contact information there. There's a, um, a email address, which is ct.ghost.investigations at gmail.com. Or um, there's a, a phone number to contact us. It's 860-910-8082. And, uh, you know, usually we get it through through email. Occasionally we get a phone call. So whichever they feel comfortable with, you know, feel free to contact us. We're here to help. I, I just, you know, you guys, have, you do such a, an amazingly professional job. And you don't jump to conclusions, which is sad in some cases. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the toothbrush is not on. <laughs> 
Hey, <laughs> I, 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 it's it's haunted. I'm telling you, um, but but um, you know, I, I I think that that so many people out there are curious too about about their homes, and and I know that when I talked to Velia, she said. Oh, I never thought of that. And I, all I could think of was, how could you have a house this old and not want to know if there were spirits in it? And 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 so um, I'm so delighted. That, and and I really hope that you come back because um, I, I know that they're doing several events of of reveal, and you guys are going to be at, at at both of them. So that if people are interested, um, it's Velia Urban Chance. Um, uh, on Facebook, if you wanna if you wanna check out and see, I think her first her first session um, with a reveal and, and talking with you guys is full, but th- there's a second and a possible third. But um, I, I know that a lot of people who are, you know, you don't have to be superstitious; you just have to be curious. And if there's a possibility that there are spirits there, it's kind of fun to know. And and it's not a scary thing. It's it's not something to be frightened of. Um, I think my house, aside from the cat who's a, who is here, is is very clean. And and you know, if I fairly thought there were spirits here, I'd have you do one here. But but I don't feel that there are any presences here. And I kind of think I would feel if it, if it was. But I'm going to be kind of curious to see if you do go back. What what you get from that weed room or it's not a weed room. It's it's an herb room where she dries herbs, because I think there's something there, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, there's a definite um, energy in in that area. Uh-huh. Uh, like you said, you know, I'm really unsure, you know, what it is. Um, it could just be, you know, residual from from maybe there's a ley line that runs through there, or you know, it it, it it's by the hearth, which is you know center of activity the center of the house the, you know so there's there's all those energies that are there um you know it'd be interesting to see i mean I'd, I'd love to go back and and reinvestigate and see if if we get the same stuff again you know, absolutely guys thank you very much it's been a great show and i'm so glad that you were able to get on and and we got all of our technical stuff square thank you barbara it was great thank you barbara appreciate good night it now. Along, host of Nightlight Radio, inviting you to join me on a cosmic journey, exploring a metaphysical montage of spiritual material, covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between, including spiritual readings for those who seek enlightenment. Let Nightlight provide you with equal measure of light, love, and laughter, insight, wisdom, and inspiration. 
Monday nights, 10 to 12 p.m. Eastern, right here on Studio B, Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com.